Welcome to Meant to Move, a series all about developing our relationship with our bodies and learning how to see our body not as an obstacle, but as a path to a more fulfilling life. I am Marie Janicek, a movement expert here to guide you towards becoming more in tune with your body. And I am Julia Spohr, a layperson who will go on this journey with you and help you avoid beginner mistakes. Together we will discuss all things regarding movement, embodiment, intuition and body image to help you reach your goals regarding physical health, mental health, athletic performance, spirituality, emotions and even relationships. Thank you for tuning in. So how are you? I'm actually feeling really amazing. Um, I just got out of um, a serious relationship. It was a little over 13 months long, so just over a year. Um, felt very unexpected when it happened, but I've had like this surprising experience of feeling so much that I felt confused about or sort of um, unclear about, especially in relationship to myself, where my life is going, like what what I want to create in the world. All these things actually started becoming mm. really clear for me. And it's really interesting watching how this sort of time-tested um, philosophical, in some ways, spiritual principle of things falling apart always being an opportunity to birth in the new <laughs> and watching it happen so powerfully and so fast in such like a like almost unbelievable <laughs> way yeah I mean it's so cool that you like have such a positive experience with this with something that usually people you know um we usually associate breakups with you know staying in bed for a week and eating like a pint of ice cream for every meal which is like mm. that's completely fine and like we've all done that um yeah but I think I have. <laughs> yeah like this is I think it's like it's it's a completely like okay way to like cope with this but I'm so happy that you could turn it into such a uh, such a, like opportunity for growth and personal development and knowing yourself and yeah it's very admirable and I think it's like funny because it's an interesting situation because like you are at the point where you just ended um that relationship and I'm starting to like get into a new one right now mm. and and it's like a, like this I don't know a full, full circle moment or something um and and I was kind of thinking about relationships lately also like after after talking um with you recently just chatting about uh, about that and and I was thinking like for humans if you think about it you know we are primarily a social animal mm. so we are not like we are not stronger than most animals we are not faster we are just like like a little smarter but our power comes from like the level and sophistication of our cooperation and communication mm. and so if you think about it relationships are like the they, you can find that need in our, our biology. We are designed to that. Like the way we think, the way our brain is designed, the way our faces and, and like the pheromones we, we put out there, everything um, is designed in our body. Like everything is, is designed for building relationships. However, at mm. the same time, if you think about it, all of our anxieties, insecurities, sadness, problems if you like really pinpoint it, come from that need 
to be with people. Mm. And so I th- I find it so ironically funny because relationships are at the same time the things that makes us so powerful, but also at the same time what also makes us miserable. And, and you know, there's something funny about that. Well, I think what you're highlighting there is just sort of this idea of polarity and continuum. And, you know, like being in relationship creates so much joy. We have so much desire for what is born in relationship. And then we feel sort of the gap or the void when we don't have that met. And then that creates, you know, the negative emotion. But these two sides of the coin inform one another and they actually create a circle. And I actually believe that like really everything in our life is a relationship, whether we're looking at other humans, significant others, romance, food, uh, career, finances, the outdoors, your body, movement. It's all a relationship. And all these different kinds of relationships, whatever we are receiving in terms of like the emotional um, hit in response is mostly a reflection and an opportunity for us to get clear on like what we fundamentally want as individuals in this lifetime, in this experience we're having. And for me, mm. this is a lesson I've been very aware of, especially in romantic relationships. When I feel like something is off or not what I want, I rarely ever take it to my partner as like, oh, you got to fix this. You got to be different. Because if I need someone to be different, to feel happy or to feel good, I'm always going to be in a losing game. And so I know that's a huge reason why my bounce out of this unexpected transition was so fast and relatively like beautiful and painless is because the whole time I was experiencing like the contrast or like the eh, like bumping up against what I didn't like or didn't want I was taking that time with myself to get really clear okay if if I'm if I'm having this emotional response of feeling unfulfilled in some way or not having a need met great what is that need that is getting activated in this experience and can I really feel it and find it and like nurture it and cultivate it by feeling what that need being fulfilled feels like. And I did that over and over Mm. and over again. And so, you know, in some ways, through a lot of my spiritual uh, understanding of the world, I do see that this relationship ending, while maybe wasn't what I planned on or wanted in my like conscious mind, that it falling away was in many ways in response to me getting that really strong clarity about what I do want and lining up with it internally for myself. And so as it's fallen away now, like because I've held on to that feeling more predominantly, I'm watching myself call in those exact experiences, circumstances, states of being and emotions through all sorts of channels, like not necessarily just the romantic partnership, although like there's already stuff brewing. It's crazy how fast things are moving for me um but but like even having that resurgence of love and fulfillment and career in you know self self empowerment self love community nature like all the things it's just it's so wonderful yes it's so incredible um how recently i don't know how 
much of a, a movement like the movement practice has played a role in this however recently i've been just learning that like really the way you approach yourself and how you feel good in your body really determines every other area in your life every other relationship like and i've been like my friend has always been telling me don't chase attract mm-hmm. and recently i've been just living through that rule and it's been so powerful and and really game changing and i i think uh, like the movement practice however just listening to myself and respecting myself and building this relationship this relationship like the most important relationship which is with yourself really has been transformative on so many levels you know i've been i've been talking that i've started this new relationship and i i don't think that i would have been prepared to start it in a healthy way if it wasn't for me investing so much in respecting and listening to myself and i guess this is like a nice way to segue into um what we want to talk about today which is intuition intuition. (laughs) yay yeah i'm super excited about that i think you know intuition is like we all have that we all have that inner voice and some people hear it you know more loudly some people are ignorant of it and that's like it's completely fine we are all starting from like different starting points i guess and and that's completely fine and we are we all have different also gifts and like our brain is designed in, the, in slightly different ways. However, today we want to discuss what intuition really is and how to really foster it, how to develop that language. Um, because like language is the, you know, the primary way of, of communication, how you can develop the language that um, allows you to communicate with all kinds of cells and systems that your body has, right? Mm, yeah as when you're even just talking about your experience of like how the movement practice has been shaping so much of your life even in some ways the ability to call in this partnership and to be ready (laughs) for it you know that core thing of learning to prioritize you and then also learning to prioritize pleasure and feeling good and building a skill set around that like really flexing that internal energetic muscle it's so so powerful and for me like if I look at what intuition really is like intuition is like our deep desire speaking to us through these subtle signals in our body in our mind in our feeling and it's our willingness to hear that part of ourself. And so talk about like the ultimate act of self-love. I really like that you you said willingness, that you really, um, because like we all have it, but the difference is, is how willing you are, right? And like the willingness, I think, is also determined by a series of factors. Like, do you know that that mechanism exists within you? Do you trust it? Are you hearing it? And and then like all the steps that are required to not only have an awareness that it's there, but to build the scaffolding of recognizing those messages when they're coming through and the unique shape, structure, sensations, impulses, pings that come through your unique system. And then also like building that foundation of trust where you actually let yourself 
follow that whisper, that little like nudge you're getting, whether it's from your body or like a random thought that pops in your head. And then as you build that trust of like, feel the impulse, recognize it, follow through with it. <laughs> and you start to see like, oh no, like this actually worked out really well for me. <laughs> that, And then as you start to trust that, that's where you can really enact intuition, I think, in the sort of more massive context most mm. of us think about when we hear that word. And I I notice a lot of people when they hear the word of like follow your intuition, like that's a really they're thinking about it in this really massive context of like leading your life intuitively, but if you haven't built those like pieces, the foundation, the scaffolding, if you haven't fleshed out that that relationship with yourself, which is like so unique and foundational to who we are, then of course like that grand vision of just follow your intuition feels meaningless, feels like nothing and can actually put people in a position of feeling unworthy yeah. or like they're doing something wrong or, or they've they're they're, you know, dysfunctional in some way. And, it, you know, usually the reason we don't have that sense of trust and willingness to be with our intuition is because we've largely been taught to dismiss it. Um from a very young, young age, and everything in society is all about follow this, do that, fit in, be nice, be polite, don't say the wrong thing. Like, this is how you yeah. are a human that we value. And a lot of times, like, those value systems are in direct opposition to what our intuition is actually asking for us in yeah. many of these small given moments in our day to day. Yeah. And if you think about it, this is like the main difference between like adults and children. Like, they are primarily just listening to that intuition because they haven't yet been conditioned by the society to follow all these rules which are useful however are quite like arbitrary like, like they're made up if you think about mm. it and like I really love you you've all know Harari's books mm. because they break down that the society like the, the rules that we have like money religion etiquette those are stories mm. that we tell ourselves and we all believe in them um like as a whole as a community like money is not real this is a story that we all believe in and and there are so many different ones like also you can look at it through like a different way if you have like human rights this is also a story that we tell ourselves it's a very positive but like in in the implications it's very it's a good story that we tell ourselves however i think we just have to realize that those are stories and i mm. think this is when we can really start to listen to that intuition because if you think about it this is like a voice and the only way you can hear a voice if you like if you are in, like on a party mm. The only way you can hear someone talking to you is if you get rid of all the other stimuli, all other voices and, and music. And I feel like for our inner voice, those distractions can be your anxiety, uh, your depression, uh, the insecurities and intrusive thoughts, um, you know, conditions like OCD, for example. We all have different stimuli and different distractions that that really do not allow us to hear that quiet voice but it's always there I think this is like 
this has been surprising to me because I've kind of always felt that I exist in this state of equilibrium and I don't really, I'm not really like that changeable. I'm usually like pretty happy and content and and, that, and, and I don't have that voice of many needs. Hmm. But I actually think that this has been, this, has, this might have been like a coping mechanism um, of me just being so ignorant of that quiet little voice that was like nudging me hey just open your eyes and and open your ears and and listen and it's a self-protective mechanism right if you don't allow yourself to really feel what you want if you don't allow yourself to get in contact with your real desire you don't have the opportunity to feel disappointed in the lack of it yeah and this is something i've like really has been like my eyes have been opened even wider in the last few weeks, like thinking <laughs> I had a very healthy relationship to desire. But, um, yeah. you know, in this transition out of this relationship, partnership with somebody who is amazing in so many ways, I still feel this mm. person is such a magical human and I want nothing but the best for them. They are they are one of the most magical people I've ever met. But as I've left, I've realized there have been so many desires that I have been holding myself apart from in some ways because I was worried that if I felt that desire, I wasn't going to get it. And so it was easier to pretend like it wasn't there or to not really see it or to swipe it under the rug and settle for other smaller, less fleshed out desires that, you know, felt more accessible. But what I was really doing was cutting off like my access to my full vitality, my full vibrancy, my full zest and eagerness for life. And to like allow myself to daydream about the things that I want and let all of it be in the equation and then not overly worried about it from like an analytical mental perspective is like how am I gonna satisfy this like and I'm talking big level stuff like wanting to build a successful business wanting to have a really successful podcast that like changes people's lives wanting to have a lifelong partnership wanting kids like this was a big one that got unlocked for me I've not allowed myself to have the desire to be a mother because I was so anxious Mm. and worried about whether or not this other desire of me being a successful human financially and in terms of career and work like that needs to be in place first then like my relationship with this partner needs to be in place first and I realized like Maybe I just let myself want the things I want and trust they'll come together in the way that makes the most sense for me Mm. Yeah, I think like the difference between adults and children, I think, is like the conditioning, but like in a like the purest form, it's it's the lack of judgment. Because we all have these cues that our body is telling us. But I think very often we just react to it, but no, like this is weird. Like I wake up and I feel like what I want for breakfast is something sweet. But I've been told that what you need to do is like have a piece of toast or like have something healthy scrambled eggs have something good or for you. something healthy yeah. yeah something good for and i'm just like right now i'm just kind of thinking about it and 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 like when you let go of the judgment of that initial of that need what actually is wrong with that like i'm eventually going to eat something sweet during the day why not eat it right here right now when my body is asking mm. for it you know 
you know, I need glucose to function to start of the day. So why not have dessert for breakfast? Yeah. Sorry, mom. Sorry, everyone who told me that I cannot do that. And I think like when you have all these different cues, like, you know, being wanting to be a mother, that's I think the same thing because like we have different ways we reason and and think about like these with these concepts in a, in a logical way and that's also like our intuition in a sense but i think if you let go of judgments of your prior experiences and think about just this present moment not what you have been thinking in the past or what you will be thinking then you can be like super objective and react because like the thing with intuition is when you react to it, you usually are rewarded with so much pleasure. And pleasure is something that we discussed in the last episode, but it is the main way to feel joy and pleasure is to react to the instinctive cues that your body is giving you. And it is giving you a heck of a lot of them. I love so much of what you were just outlining there. And I think this uh, recognition of judgment is really important. And for me, one of the biggest game-changing moments in terms of learning how to hear and receive my intuition and then respond to it like and make actions in alignment with it and decisions in service of it was when I started like sort of asking myself this series of questions before I did anything, especially if I ha felt like an internal body tension response. Am I doing this because I feel like I should do it? Am I doing this because I'm supposed to do it? And once I asked those two questions, it would very often quickly show me if I was operating from my like authentic desire, what I wanted, or if I was trying to fit in based off of some need to perform or be the good human in some way. And it's, it's really interesting to know, notice this, especially as somebody who is very self-aware very aware of like the person I am being in a moment versus the person I want to be. And, you know, maybe yeah. the, like example, um, let's say you're having an exchange with somebody or like somebody wants you to go somewhere. <laughs> this is a very basic one. And you're feeling yeah. tired. And maybe this is a person you really love. Maybe this friend of yours is going through a really hard time and really needs your support. But you like in this moment do not want to go. Even if you want to be, quote unquote, a good person and show up for your friend, if you feel like you're supposed to go to be that good person and that good friend, or you should go to be a good person and a good friend, that's already a big red flag. And if you actually honor what you need in that moment and say, I love you, I want to be a support to you, I can't do it right now, I need to do this for me, you're learning to self-service yourself. And this can also be a really powerful sort of catalyst for creating greater change in your life. Because at the end of the day, the people who are meant to be in your life will not judge you or be upset with you or have resentment with you for taking care of yourself first. Yeah. And at the end of the day, no one's going to take care of you accept you. And yeah. that's really your only job in this lifetime because you do not have control over other people, other circumstances and other events, but the one thing you do have control over is your relationship with yourself and the choices you make mm. in response or in reaction to those things. And 
if you are not prioritizing what you want or need, you're always gonna feel like a victim in situations too. But you're allowing yourself to be a victim because you're not actually prioritizing yourself, and that's nobody else's、mm. job but yours. I think the decision to take care of yourself and to actually make yourself a priority is the moment of like growing up. Yeah. Like realizing that no one else will take care of you, and you have to take responsibility for your own happiness, health, contentment, relationships, whatever it is, or like career. I think this is the the moment when you are when you become like the full functioning human being, ready to enter into the society. However, for a lot of people, this moment comes with a different age. The most. Inconvenient times too. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. And, and I think it, it takes courage because this is not easy.、Yeah. Caring for yourself, not relying strictly on other people to tell you what you need, to tell you what you want, to tell you what you should do and how you should get what you need. It takes immense courage, and I think this is like we are just scared. And- It actually never gets easier,、yeah. because once you figure this out in one area or one set of circumstances, then there'll be the next set where you have to learn how to bring this forward in a new way,、um, and that's been the most also amazing part of this journey of learning what my relationship with my intuition is and learning how to prioritize that has been offering me because it gets almost harder and scarier the next time. Um, I always think like, oh, I figured this out, and then the next series of life circumstances come along, and they're inviting me into a much deeper, much more stable and coherent relationship with myself that allows me to always know my value, my worth, my power, my capacity, no matter what the circumstances are,、mm. and I think. So many of the things I've been chasing externally in my life, whether it's been people or relationships or jobs or money or specific experiences, I've found when you are able to create them internally, they are much more steadfast.、Mm. They are much. It's like the rooting of a really old oak tree versus you know like a little stick that just like got plopped <laughs> you know two centimeters into the ground and is like waving around as soon as the wind blows. Yeah.、Um, and a huge part of that, and I love the analogy of trees, especially because in order for a tree to be really healthy and robust, it has to go really deep down into the earth, into the darkness,、mm. into the like unseen territory, and feel. The root systems feel their way into the earth, feel their way towards the nutrients, and I think intuition is like the root mechanism of our being、mm. and our energy. It's going into ourselves and feeling for those ties that excite us, that nourish us, that allow us to feel at home within ourselves, to ground us, to、uh, empower us, right? But that's an internal job, and it's an invisible job. You know, from the surface, you don't really、mm. see how vast and powerful that tree's root system really is. And the same goes, you know,、yeah. for all of us. We don't. We can feel it when someone has a really powerful root system, and we're really drawn to them because they're also like 
blossoming and growing and branching out in all these ways. And we're like, oh, give me more of that. But internal work, it's, it's something that is invisible. And I think with our evolutionary brains, it's really easy when things aren't visible. We don't want to devote ourselves to them. I really like that analogy because like, like also, right, roots have to go through the dark dirt and, and resistance and, and resistance <laughs> and in that it's like unexplored you don't know what will happen there and I think with intuition it's the same thing you have to explore the unexplored and do something that is outside of your comfort zone maybe it's not accepted and it's not regarded as something that's quote-unquote normal and again it takes courage but I think it's, yeah, again, it's coming back to, to that letting go of judgment. Um, and I was thinking that we should also debunk one of the biggest myths when it comes to intuition, which is that if you listen to it, you are not listening to the voice like of your reason, to your, like your logical side. And I think this is such bullshit mm. because these aspects are interconnected and there's space for both of them. And only when they work together well, we can actually function. And I did a lot of research, not just like for this episode. However, just overall, I'm pretty interested in this subject. And I think a good way to like give you a scientific background for that is the research done by Daniel Kahneman. So he is a psychologist that actually got a Nobel Prize in economics. So he's, he's a rock star, basically. My greatest yeah, idol. person to follow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what he proposed is that our mind works on two systems, system one and system two. System one is very instinctive, emotional, fast. You don't even know that it's there. It's all the decisions that you make when you don't know you're making them to... Mm to smile, to catch something uh, when you don't even know that you're catching it, to run, to cycle. It's all of the like the decisions that you're making without knowing that you're making them. And then you have mm. system two, which is slow, very reasonable. Um, it's you, it's your basically like your conscious thoughts. Um, and those are actually have like a biological basis to them. You can think mm. about that. The system two actually is related to your cortex, your prefrontal cortex mainly, and that's the instinctive, fast, um, subconscious system one is, uh, you know, connected to the limbic system, you know, like your amygdala, your thalamus, whatever. Hmm. And actually those, like the limbic system, very, it's like the emotional brain, they need to work together. They pass information from one system to another and there is space for both of them. And only when you realize and respect that you have both of these systems, you can actually function well. Because like there are so many, there, we are bombarded with so many information and stimuli coming from our environment that we are not able to process all of them with the system too, with the logical reason, re reasoning part. Because it's just too much. It takes too much energy and we are just not able to do that. And so there are so many information that you are processing that you are not aware that you are, you are doing that. Like through pheromones, through like the facial expressions that you see other people doing. There are so many different 
things that you know but you don't know that you know them mm. um that it's it's so incredible and this is your intuition mm. this this emotional system that knows by the your awareness your consciousness which is that the system to, will not know that you know it and i think this is like there's in a like a sea of scientific research uh, that you can read to learn about this the basic one is just uh, thinking fast and slow by by daniel kahneman but i just want to say that it's incredible bullshit uh, when someone says that you know i don't listen to my god because like i am the reasonable logical one yeah well i mean as you're talking about all of this, I'm talk thinking about one of my favorite books that I recently read called The Extended Mind, which I have a copy of right here for those of you watching on YouTube. For those of you listening, um, it's by Annie Murphy Paul, and it focuses on the power of thinking outside the brain. And the first third of the book is all about how much information we actually process through our bodies and how much faster our bodies are at processing information and like the lag time between our body knowing something and our cognitive mind becoming aware of it. And they've done these really fascinating studies. Um, there's a great one in the book where participants were sort of put in a situation where they had to, they were pulling from four decks of cards and like um, the decks were either going to sort of like get them like winnings, like depending on what card they pulled and certain cards like lost them like they're winning. So it was a bit like of a gambling type of thing. Two of the decks were more positively oriented, had more positive outcomes. Two of the decks had negative. Participants didn't know this was a thing. They were just playing the game and, you know, seeing what happened. But what they registered like through the sweat glands in the fingertips, the body actually picked up on which decks were worse and which decks were better like seven minutes or so before the brain started to notice a pattern. <laughs> and they read, they registered that the body knew and the brain didn't, like just noticing the sweat receptors, right? The sweat glands would kind of get activated near the bad decks, and then it wouldn't be activated on the good decks, but this person still like had not picked up on that pattern yet. And then like later when they were asked about, they're like, oh, I just noticed this thing. You know, I noticed these decks seem to give me better cards, but it was like a crazy long time. Like, I think it only took the body maybe a couple of minutes to register the pattern, and it took the brain, like, like over three times as long. And so when we feel an impulse, right, our, our body's vessel, like that type one intelligence you were talking about, it's so much more sophisticated because it's picking up multi-dimensional information but because we are such linearly focused beings with our you know prefrontal cortex we we mismanage that information a lot of yeah. time and assume it's not as powerful as it is and i like to think of this analogy as like who is the driver and who's the car and I, I like to think of intuition as like being the thing I want driving the vehicle and my brain being the vehicle itself, which does like a number of complex systems to allow things to go. But if I lead with the vehicle or the vehicle doesn't like if a machine like is is in fact the passenger, that's very different than like a sentient being, um, like a responsive, receptive, conscious being, being the driver. And so... Wait, mm. I might have I might have misstated that. <laughs> I think I called it the passenger. Yeah, so I 
I feel that like our heart, like what we feel and our intuition, especially like if if it is giving us like a very clear message for our well-being, like that's what should be in the driver's seat. Our analytical mind is more the engine of the vehicle that gets us to where we're going once we have that clarity, once we steer the wheel. But if you're trying, you can't Mm. steer from the engine. And I think I've watched myself do this many times, trying to steer things from my mind and just continuing to feel worse and worse and worse. Um, Mm. I know this was a lot of information, but as you were talking about sort of myths around intuition, I think a really powerful one that's worth also examining is the assumption that when you're following your intuition, it always feels great. Yeah. Because it doesn't. (laughs) Um, That like, that's the goal. And ultimately, I fully believe that when we follow our intuition, it always leads us towards the things we want. But especially if you've been locked in the shoulds and supposed tos, especially if you've been really trying to control your like circumstances and the people around you and control things from your mind. A lot of times when you first make those decisions from intuition, it will feel really off. And it's mostly because you're breaking that biomechanical or biochemical pattern and hardwiring within your endocrine system. And it's freaking out in response. So it won't It doesn't always feel great at the beginning, and this is why I think it's important to find low-stakes opportunities to start following your intuition, like your example of eating something sweet and delicious in the morning because, like, that's what you're craving. Yeah, like, cravings are a very very easy one. I think very often what we ignore, like, the most basic cue that our body is giving us is that I am tired. And so listening to that, that you want to have a nap right now. And I know like it might be 9 p.m. But if your body is telling you that it it is tired right now, then go to sleep now. You may wake up earlier tomorrow. You may not. But like there are so many things that we do like on schedule. But like time is a social construct, you know. Mm. Your body has... There are so many different variables and you cannot give your body a schedule to follow. And so I think listening uh, to your intuition about that, about, you know, also working out and moving the way you want to, the way you want to move, or if you want to move right now, your body is giving you very subtle. However, I think they're subtle, but very noticeable if you, if you, if you know where to put your attention for me very often it's like it's hard to describe but it's just like I guess like when I when I want to like move for example when I like want to go for a run it's the feeling because I usually do it in the morning it's just the feeling of excitement Mm. so I when I wake up I imagine myself in like these 20 minutes out on the field running and if there is excitement coming with that vision I'm like okay let's go yeah but if if I feel like resentment, if I actually feel uncomfortable and I feel like there's someone nagging, like there's someone pushing me to do it, then I don't do it. Mm. And it's it took me a very long time to learn it. And I'm not saying it is easy because the amount of time I've been overtrained and injured and in a like very bad state because I didn't listen to uh, to my body with moving, I cannot tell you. Like it's really, it's been a long journey, um, but it's been, this is also what we have been 
saying in the past episodes that the reason why you might not enjoy moving it's just that you have not been um, moving in the way that your body is asking you to and maybe you hate um, like I don't know lifting weights I know personally that I really dislike it some people (laughs) fucking love it and that's okay but you just have to think about why you're doing what you're doing is it is it because like someone tell you you're supposed to like like you are always saying the shoots and supposed to's Mm -hmm. maybe you you don't have to do it and you should listen to what you actually want to yeah and talk about like a powerful entry point into intuition like registering what our impulses are around movement what kind of movement how much when to do it with whom what environment um you know, this last chapter of my life, I had like a very, a very new experience around listening to intuition um, and watching how it was playing out through movement. But it was actually also trying to give me new information and a very important reset and recalibration for my mental and emotional health. <laughs> and a huge part of that was, you know, in the pandemic, um, I th- I know it was a wild time for many people. Some people got a lot of rest. In some ways I did, but in many ways, the pandemic was one of the most stressful periods of my life because I had just started a business with a partner and suddenly like maybe I wasn't hauling my body through New York City streets, like up and down Manhattan and in and out of subways. But I was having to haul my mental energy into this project and I felt so overwhelmed and and so stressed out and so panicked about what I was doing all the time. And I was in that state for like a year and a half before I finally put my foot down, before our partnership finally ended. And that happened this last August, November, September in the fall. And it's only been now that I've finally felt more inspired to be moving my body more again. And before that, I just felt tired all the time. I felt tired all the time and I was frustrated because I was feeling tired, but I was letting myself listen to that feeling tired. I felt tired physically. I felt tired mentally, emotionally. I I couldn't, I couldn't do any of the productivity hacks that I had been so dependent on my whole life to feel like a functional human being. And it was scary to trust that because, you know, as much as I talk about following one's intuition, I'd been on a hamster wheel my entire adult life, like always doing, always doing. And to not be doing, even though I knew it was what I needed, it was still so just all-consuming, scary to do that. And now, now that I've really continued to follow that impulse and slowly I'm feeling myself making my way out of this sort of low point of like not being able to do much and really, really slowing down to a point of new discomfort, as I'm coming out of it, I'm realizing I had like serious burnout. You know, burnout's a condition that many people can empathize with. Some of us are like maybe in the midst of experiencing burnout right now. Maybe some of us are like trying to like, you know, recalibrate a relationship to burnout. Maybe you're like me and coming out of it on the other side. But like, that's a, like a lot of these things that are happening in one dimension of ourselves are pulling on the rest. And acknowledging that, I think this is where intuition becomes such a powerful force or such a powerful means to like really integrate with the full capacity of who we are as the unique individuals we are, because it, it, 
it so expertly and intelligently knows what we are needing based off of where we are at in all these dimensions of ourselves. And so if we can learn to trust those impulses, it will feed us the nourishment. It'll give us the resourcing we are wanting. And the tricky part is just like being able to like know that what that signal is, is right, mm. you know? Yeah. And I, I still struggle with that. Like it was hard for me to like eight, you know, six months in to still not have the energy I wanted to have. But, you know, now as I'm scaling into it, I have more of a respect and understanding of what was going on there. Because in some ways, when you're in the root system, <laughs> letting those roots go deeper, like you can't see, you can't see, you yeah. don't have perspective. But, um, you know, there's there has to be a sense of trust there. And when you build that mm -hmm. sense of trust within yourself, it you just feel so much steadier and safer and secure like when you're doing all the things outside with other people and, you know, other aspects of your life. Yeah. And you have to be patient. Like when you trust, it takes, it, it usually takes a lot of time and I am such an impatient person. So <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it takes time and, and sometimes you are just super tired and, and burnt out and you are expecting your body, your brain to focus but it never, like, it never leads to something good. I personally, um, this is something that maybe I'll talk about later in more detail in, like, <laughs> my insights from, from recent weeks. But I recently experienced sensory overload. Mm. And that was a result of me, again, yeah, just being too stimulated, too many things happening at once, me being too excited and... And not allowing myself, not listening to my body, which asked me to just be with myself, be in some quiet, not very uh, stimulating environment and just wind down. I am a highly sensitive person. I need moments of rest, peace, quiet, nothing. But recently I wasn't able and I also pushed myself a bit. And so... Like, I think we know, like, through experience, uh, depending on, like, what kind of life you are living. However, I think we are all aware that at this point that if you don't listen to your intuition, it will catch up with you. And it will, yeah. And that, you know, panic attacks, sensory overload, depression, or if you are unlucky, you can, like, get into some serious accidents or like health conditions, like heart attacks and strokes, it leads to stress and tension being built up in your body. Um, and yeah, and that can lead to many dangerous situations. And so your body inherently knows what is best for you, what it needs. Um, and yeah, and I'm curious, do you, Marie, have some recommendations and some tips for people who are not... Like are not in tune. I think I'm just learning that. So I would mm. also be very happy to hear um, some tips that you can give on how to tap into that inner inner voice that knows inherently what you need. Well, I mean, first off, I I fundamentally believe like every human being is unique, and so the energy flow of every human being is unique, and then as a result, even that intuition mechanism is going to be 
also unique. Yeah. So this is all unique. It's all very individualized and specialized. That makes it hard to have like a blanket statement. And while that may be frustrating for listeners to hear, I also want to like insert this is actually like where things get really fun and they can be really sort of experimental and exploratory and curiosity driven, right? Because this is a opportunity to be your special, unique self and, and to like be able to create through your own special mechanism and have your own way of doing things. That That is such a magical thing that nobody has the same system. And that being said, I think, as I mentioned earlier, one of my most powerful initiation points to getting in touch with my intuition was having the check-in on the should and supposed to. And while I wasn't always able to make every decision that like didn't have that equation in there, I was at least able to take some action that was what I wanted instead of that sense of I should do this or I'm supposed to do this. And so those little opportunities I had to like notice, oh, you know, like doing that, that's a should or a supposed to. Mm. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what what I feel I want to do instead. Um doing that in small ways then allowed me to do that more and more and more. And, you know, the the next level I'm trying to take this in is into building business and um, building income for myself and creating things for people. Because for me, in the business world, especially, there's a lot of should and supposed to. <laughs> there's a ton. Yeah. You know, Don't even in podcasting, <laughs> like, right, we've had these conversations, yeah. like, there's so much of like, what you should and supposed to. Mm. Something that's been coming up for me a lot is like this idea of like, consistency, and time. But like, most often that timetable of like, quote, unquote, consistency over time is like every day, or every week. Yeah. And, and that's unsustainable. And my body has been very clearly telling me the last two years, like, not right now, you know, yeah. um, or like maybe not ever. And and like maybe that means there, there's mm-hmm. another opportunity for me to actually find more stability and ease and fun and inspiration, which are really the core things I'm moving towards. Um, and maybe that consistency was someone else's mechanism that really allowed them to hear their intuition and be in tune with it. But like that's for them to know yeah. and for me to figure out. Um, I think another piece, you know, like it is this getting really intimate with the sensations of our body and seeing how intimately the sensations we feel in our body weave with our emotions and to also then watch that relationship between sensation, emotion and thoughts. This is a very sophisticated matrix we have and you know, our emotions, in my experience, like our clearest guidance system, it's one of the more powerful outlets that our intuition uses to speak to us. The problem is, is we don't understand that our emotions are a guidance system. We attach a lot of importance and sort of, um, in some ways, like permanentness (laughs) to the emotional states we feel. Right. Or we attach them to the outside things instead of necessarily being like, all right, I don't like how I feel right now. This feels bad. So what what is it telling me about what I do want to feel like? 
that's an important that's an important thing to register. And I think a lot of times with the shoulds and supposed tos, we are explaining ourselves out of or rationalizing our way out of that really powerful guidance system that's trying to tell us more of who we are and what we need and what we want and how to move towards it. Mm. So th- that it's like. A less, this is like the most practical lens I, I can give aside from like doing what feels yeah. good in your body, which we've already been exploring yeah, exactly. in depth. You will know, right. Yeah. But And then for me, the, like the third piece of this is this is why intuitive movement as a practice for me has been such like a groundbreaking addition to my life because it feels like a very practical real life way to engage with all these pieces of myself and it is it's a practice in learning to trust your intuition in a low stakes environment mm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like in a, in a in like such a primal and simple way and it's what's i think this is also what terrifies people about the idea of stepping into this practice even if you're by yourself and you know giving yourself your first five minutes to try because you're actually hitting on like the core reason of why you're struggling to trust and lean into your intuition in the first place because you haven't built that trust with it and giving Mm. yourself permission to turn on the song that you know you're really vibing with and like just like move and like wiggle your body in whatever way like (laughs) feels really good even (laughs) though it looks weird or wild and silly and strange but it's it's feeling really satisfying like the Mm. more you do that you start to build a sense of trust around those bodily sensation emotion even mental impulses that you get and you're learning to lean into them and you're learning that, oh, yeah, yeah, like this, this is bringing something really powerful. So for mm-hmm. me, th- those are the sort of the three things that shouldn't supposed to using emotions as guidance, like not forcing yourself to stay in emotions that feel bad, but using them as clarity for like, what do you want and allowing yourself to go there. And then number three, like practicing following intuition especially in your body because if you get it through your body you're empowering that mechanism and then it can start to like work its magic through all other systems as well Mm. i really love those tips are very helpful i think the only thing i would add is you have to understand that the cues that your intuition is giving you right now may not be something that you need to follow forever so if like you have the the instinctive need for doing something consistently. You know, we've been talking about like posting or like social media or or like being this creator. But if it's like working out or if it's work or if it's whatever, if you have that need for consistency to do it right now, great. Follow that intuition. But then when you like two weeks from now wake up and realize I don't think I want to do it anymore. That's great. You know, this is very fluid and your needs change and and your strength and what you are capable of doing right now, your like different abilities and, and your attention, it is all very fluid in different moments of your life. We are not robots and we have hormones. If you are a woman, you, you know, have that cycle and throughout those 28 days, we can be like, fucking six different people Mm. and those different people need different things so i think that's also what i would say just to not really um be so attached to the like oh i realized i need to do this right now okay but you don't have to do it forever 
So I think this is like the only thing that I would add. And I really agree with what you said. Yeah, please. I was going to say, like, that's such an important point. Um, and especially once you're getting higher levels of mastery with intuition with big life decisions, you know, whether it's partnerships, whether they're talking like business, career, friendships, um, even romantic relationships or like big life decisions, like take this job, move this place, you know, like find this new home. I've had many moments where my intuition strongly sig signals a yes to jump in and do something. And then in a certain period of time, it changes and the intuitive, intuitive impulses get out. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that my I didn't hear my intuition right or it steered me the wrong way. Oftentimes, when your intuition leads you into a higher level decision, it's because you learn something really powerful there. Or you get a lot more clarity or you activate a sleeping part of yourself that you sort of wanted to come into contact with. And so it's really fascinating to watch how like my intuition will operate in these ways. And it's kind of like it seems to sort of know the nugget I need and like what's going to be the easiest way to pick up that nugget. And if I try mm -hmm. and get too analytical about it, then I'm going to get in my own way and have a really rough time. But I remember this with like a job opportunity in New York um, to be like director of teacher training for like an upcoming movement studio in Brooklyn. So, so excited to get in. And about three months later, it just like was stripped of any joy for me. And so I chose to leave. But what it did, like, help me really clarify is, like, well, how would I want to, like, hold space for people in movement? And so I learned a lot of what I didn't want to be putting my time, energy, and attention on. And then, as a result, what I did want to be focusing on. So I got to have this experience of, like, the full scale of emotion. And I used that as guidance to find more clarity on my deep set desires, which I wouldn't mm. have found in the same way if I hadn't said yes to that experience to begin with. Mm, absolutely. You know, I think like to anyone listening, I realized that this can be overwhelming. And like, if you have been ignorant to that inner voice, which I have been, I'm just learning and starting to, to learn to listen to that. It can be hard to implement all of these like ideas but you know you have to remember that that again it's a muscle and as you like practice the muscle of gratitude with every day doing the three blessings exercise just writing down the three things that you are grateful for and it will become a habit the same thing is going on with with intuition so if you know that can be through movement practice great just in those low stakes situation listening to the cues i think that will be very helpful and maybe that's a good way to actually segue into into talking about uh, the movement practice. Um, so yeah, I think we recorded two weeks ago or something like that. I think or, it might have been three. Yeah, it's been a been crazy, pattern. like crazy period. And actually, I have to be honest, and I, I think I can be like relatable. Yes, probably. Be, please be honest. <laughs> but I can be honest and relatable, and can say and admit that I haven't been as consistent as before and like I said um about two or three weeks ago like yeah something like that I have experienced this I have had this episode of sensory overload at the time I thought it was a panic attack mm. it was a very new 
and scary experience mm. which i go like if you want to learn about that i posted a, a, an episode on the being better podcast um just a couple of days ago about that and it's been it's been scary and and overwhelming and and i realized that actually not doing the movement practice might have also played a role in that mm. because that was yeah, sensory overload, overstimulation, a result of um, not being able to process and, and not listening to the cues. And so after that happening to me, um, I took a week like a, just to, to really like I decided to maybe postpone many of my responsibilities. And that's when I started to um, come back to to doing it consistently and i realized that this is something that happens to me at least a lot in like practices or things that i want to implement in new habits i get super excited i start to see the first like improvements and benefits of it and i see myself getting better and then i raise the bar higher and i start to like really get into into it and then i kind of get burnt out mm -hmm. and i leave it and I think this is this is why I want to talk about it because I think a lot of the listeners that maybe are trying it out or trying any, they try to develop any new habit. I think this is something that very often is happening to us. And yeah, and I can get into the details of what has you know happened uh, after that and and me practicing outside and on the, like different things. However, I think this is like the first thing that I wanted to say that. Consistency yeah. is hard um, and you have to just cut yourself from sack. I also, th this is a very common thing for everyone. And I think the major reason why we experience this is twofold. Number one, we usually, as you said, like put the stakes really high and in some ways like make something unsustainable <laughs> like our excitement sometimes works against us or we like start we get benefits yeah. and then we're like oh, i'm gonna do this so much more and then and then we because like our we don't have unlimited attention you know we direct our attention and then when we direct more to one area we inevitably like leave out other aspects that might need our attention so balance is always fluctuating and so sometimes we get off balance to then be back on balance and so it's a very normal intuitive body and mind and soul reaction when you've skewed too far in one direction to then whoop swing back the other way to maybe lose contact with it and then try and like find okay like what's what's the new middle so first off there's nothing wrong with that that's actually a very normal natural rhythm mm -hmm. um secondly I, I do think like also it's really important to keep in mind that intuitive movement as a practice the way i see it, it's a tool and depending on what the circumstances are in your life like sometimes you want to like fully invest in that tool and just be with it for six to six months to a year i certainly did um and sometimes no, like sometimes once you get a handle on the tool, like you don't necessarily need the hammer at every stage of building the house. Sometimes you put the <laughs> hammer down and you use other things, right? Like, so to, to also be gentle with ourselves in the sense of, you know, some, sometimes a thing that was really helpful at one moment is actually not the thing that's the most helpful in the next. 
Um, yeah. And to, and to be discerning of that. And, you know, I like my relationship with intuitive movement fluctuates a lot. And I'm recently finally coming like back in like a really full force way to practicing it for the first time in over two years, despite the fact that I've been teaching it for God, almost like five, six years now. Uh, and that's a normal thing, you know, and I, in some ways, those moments of separation, I feel also inform a lot more appreciation and specificity and and pleasure when we return. Yeah, I really think, um, you know, I've been actually proud of myself for listening to my body enough to know that I need to come back to it and actually picking it back up. You know, that was a scary moment that sensory overload and it was like a wake-up call Mm. that there is something like too much of a good thing Mm -hmm. and we all need like your body has different needs my personally I like I said I'm an HSP and so actually this practice is a tool that is very useful for me and yeah and like I've been saying I've started to then practice outside which I think is a completely like it's a it's a it makes it a completely different thing. They're like um, apples and cucumbers. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think it, it, it also like serves different purposes because it's more scary to do it outside. I personally have been practicing it in places where people cannot really see me. Yeah. Because I think even like doing it outside, like in a park is like I'm not at that level yet. And I know that for many people that can be the case and that's completely fine. And and I think it's it's also like it makes it a completely different thing because you're feeling that you're one with nature. Mm. I think this is like the most powerful one. I've actually felt the urge to turn off the music when I'm practicing outside because I feel like when you are outside like you don't you don't want to have this boundary with the rest of their environment with the flora and the fauna and you don't need music because the outside environment whether that be like nature plants whatever or just like the urban environment it has its own rhythm music sounds and i felt like it was yeah something standing between me and that so i actually think that turning music off and just just doing what feels good has been a great experience. Again, a bit challenging at first because we've been conditioned to think that people who do random movements outside are crazy, crazy or whatever. or weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Imagine that. Someone, someone being in tune with themselves and not caring what other people think. Yeah, definitely <laughs> someone that will not be easily manipulated. So we cannot have that. <laughs> Scary, bad, like wrong, unacceptable, Oof, weird. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah. We, we don't want that here. Um, and what I've also been really realizing lately is that I really like to use my movement in a way of like visualization. So uh, I've had some like thoughts of anxiety or like expectations that I had or like disappointment in myself. And what I really like doing is visualizing these feelings as like colors or substances in me and then through movement imagining as if I'm taking them out of my body 
and mm. throwing throwing them away mm-hmm. and also taking it taking in good energy uh, from nature from the outside from the sky from the sun or from the ground actually and then putting it inside and mm. replacing that actually so I think visualization visualization I cannot like the word is fucking me up visualization um, yeah it's a tough one yeah <laughs> whatever <laughs> i think uh, it is it's very useful um depending on what kind of person you are i realize that this is something that's very useful for me um i have a quite like a um developed imagination in that sense uh, so i really like practicing that and it, then it kind of turns into this tai chi kind of situation which i think also like it's a great vibe so uh, that's what i've been doing recently and and yeah, and I've actually also tried to do the 10 different ways to stand up. And I've been surprised by, right, it's, I, I, it's, it's hard. kind of difficult. <laughs> like I've been, I've been trying to like do very like crazy ways, like doing like the bridge pose uh, from yoga and then standing up. And like, even if you try different like crazy things, it's still not 10 different ways. So that has been surprisingly challenging. Yeah, the interesting thing about the 10 ways standing up and down is the way you do interesting things is you actually have to come to simpler building blocks and Mm -hmm. like rearrange the simple building blocks. Because you can do the crazy athletic things and that's usually what we jump to. And it's an interesting metaphor for how, (laughs) how we like to get through life. Like we think like, oh, like do the big shift. And then, but it's actually much harder to just like, do those big shifts and there's less variety and less opportunity and potential there versus when you do the tiny tweaks and just the little rearrangements there's actually a lot more openness for creativity for something feeling really fun and surprising and good um so yeah i i haven't submitted how I do 10 different ways to get up and get down, but I will be recording that this week. I'm really excited to do it, um, cool. to play with you I'm all. I'm excited to think, see that and get some think, inspiration. Yeah. And maybe like anybody who wants to submit stuff can send little videos of themselves and share like through yeah, the interwebs. Cool. Yeah. Like maybe we make it a challenge. Um, yeah. so we can all see and maybe we can, and then we YouTube. can like create a hashtag. Yeah. What would be the hashtag for that? What do you think? Uh, well, we can we can play with that. I have, but I have no idea. I'm so. I, like, I have no. one more point about the outside <laughs> sure. movement. Um, there's this really interesting thing I've noticed in moving outside. It's a lot easier to move outside with other people around you if you have one other person who's also willing to like move with you. <laughs> and one of my favorite ways of exploring intuitive movement outside was like with the community I built in New York through my intuitive Mm. movement classes. And, you know, some of those friendships I made, we would meet in the park, we'd like turn on some music and, and just like be weird and wiggle in the field with everybody watching us in Brooklyn. And it was the best time. But there is something like that sense of a wanting privacy at first when you're by yourself, really important. And at least for me, because I actually did this um, like right on the heels of my breakup because I was spending so much time in nature to um, reset and to re-nourish myself. And I was on these hikes where magically I found myself there alone 
And so I would just let myself like start to move. And I realized I was moving in like these very soft, subtle ways, like almost the grandeur of nature was so vast (laughs) that it felt really hard to do like fancy, athletic, big, like flashy things. And I think there is something about when you're in nature, you're aware of this awesome presence and like awesome in the true sense of the world, just like incredible like life force that you are a part of. And so it it just creates a totally different dynamic, even in how you're relating to yourself. And as I said, apples and cucumbers, they're both healthy. They both give us different kinds of nutrients. Um, Variety is the spice of life. So I Mm. always think like playing around with intuitive movement and all the permutations that are there with people by yourself in sacred indoor spaces and, you know, outdoor spaces, whether you're by yourself or with people, the more you can enact these different dimensions, the more you're going to enact different elements of that equation and more of those Mm. threads and more of those potentials. But again, so important to scale with where you feel safe because this is already going to be really intimidating and that's normal. So yeah. starting where you feel ready to receive, you know, those those impulses from your body and what your body's ready to give and to make sure you're building that from that sense of sta- safety and trust is just so mm. important. And, and you've done that really beautifully. <laughs> it's been so, so fun to watch. Yeah, and it's been pleasure to, to go through that. So, yeah, I think that what I personally need to do right now is to focus on consistency and not adding too much to my plate. Um, so I think I want to ask you maybe for some <laughs> advice or how you would guide me to go from from here, knowing my past now. I mean, you've already so deeply embraced this practice and experience in such like a full all-in way. I think for you, the, 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 even what you're asking for is um, just giving yourself more wiggle room in terms of like what that looks like. And even with a consistency factor, maybe you're just setting one time a week to devote to this instead of necessarily every day. Maybe you're allowing yourself smaller pockets Maybe you're allowing yourself to change the circumstances that hold the space for those pockets, right? Like now that you're engaging in outside and inside, you you already have this sense of intuition with your body. And I think I would just encourage you to keep on leaning into that. Notice Mm -hmm. when that impulse is coming up that you want to just like move in whatever way. Or notice when the impulse comes up to just get out for a run, really specific, consistent. When is that impulse coming to lie down and just like uh, melt into the ground and do nothing? (laughs) Like for me, one of the most powerful intuitive movement practices out there is to just lay into the ground and let gravity hold me and to feel that. That's so powerful. To feel that like unconditional embrace. Like we never let ourselves feel it and it's always there. So maybe Mm. that's like a new nugget to play with just like giving yourself a window of time to like sink down and receive that unconditional support and just feel what it feels like to be so held I think that's beautiful actually I have not yet practiced it that much that being embraced by the earth just like making my movement practice outside making it simply being there and like meditating 
trying to not think too much. I think that's very powerful and I really want to get on with that and and make sure that I allow myself doing that. I guess a lot of things are happening, exciting things to come as well when it comes to the podcast too. But to anyone listening, that's also what what I, I can recommend to you as someone who is um, with you along that journey. To cut yourself some slack. Mm-hmm. Listen to your intuition and do it in a way that feels right with where you are at right now. Mentally, physically, emotionally, career-wise, whatever. It's it's okay. It's just okay. I think this is what we need to like, to say. Just it's okay. Your body knows what's happening for you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It knows all those things. And so when it's sending you any impulse, it's it's wanting to guide you down the path of least resistance to bring you the most ease, the most uh, relief, the most joy, the most pleasure. And so when you're getting a body impulse to move, to not move, to amp it up, to slow it down, whatever it might be, this is not just about one piece of that equation. Your body is taking into account the whole. Mm. It's taking into account everything. And I think that's a very important piece to sort of remember for ourselves Yeah. as we start to play with this relationship with intuition, as we start to try and feed that foundation of trusting and, and being willing to lean into those messages as they arise. Mm, I think like that's the perfect note to end on, like the fir- full circle moment to come back to that intuition. Um, <laughs> this has been super super exciting to to talk about it and it's just it's rewarding and this is like I think my favorite episode that we made so far Um, (laughs) and and it's just I am excited for what's to come if you want to tell us how you how your relationship with movement is like or have any comments on what we are discussing or just want to say hi you can hit us up on different social media you can visit our website which is in the episode description you can visit our youtube channel which is just meant to move um and yeah all the links are in the episode description so go there that that i I think that will be the easiest way and yeah we're excited to hear from you yeah it's been such a wonderful journey and i'm so excited to see what's going to continue to unfold yes have a marvelous day take care of yourself and if you can of someone else too and we will speak to you very soon meant to move is hosted and produced by marie janicek and julia spore as a series posted on the this thing called movement and being better podcasts if you want to learn more or try out a practice that was mentioned in the episode visit the website attached in the show notes on our website, you will also find a contact form through which you can send us questions, tell us about your struggles, and also share your recent successes. We'd love to hear about your journey with embodiment and movement and answer any questions you may have in future episodes. Because if you're asking these questions, it's likely others are struggling with the same things too. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for listening and remember that you are so much more than you think and that you really are meant to move.